Welcome to the Heart of Dating Podcast. Hey, it's Kate. I'm so glad you could join us this week as we try to untangle the ever so ambiguous world of dating as a Christian. Over here on Heart of Dating, we get real as we answer some tough questions and uncover transformative ways to approach Christian dating. Oh, and you better believe we have some laughs along the way, because last time I checked, the struggle is hashtag real. You know what I'm saying? Now, let's get to the heart of the matter. Hello, my wonderful Heart of Dating family. Gosh, we are in our fourth week of the Heartbreak and Rejection series, and it's been going so wonderfully. I am so pleased by all your responses and that you're getting some really awesome encouragements and insight from what we're sharing. And so if you're still loving this series, please share it with us. DM us, share your stories of what's been going on, any light bulb moments. It would mean the world. The first week of the series, we had Alec Baviron talking about how to find hope and healing in heartbreak. And then in the second week, we had the incredible Dr. Margaret Nagib, an amazing psychologist, walk us through soul ties. Ooh, that's a topic y'all don't know that much about. So definitely check that out. And then last week, we had my dear new friend, Allison Fallon, on as we talked about the ins and outs of abuse and how to recognize it. And even we touched on gaslighting a bit. Now, before I get into the episode for today, it's a special one, okay? It's really near and dear to my heart. I just want to make a few announcements. So first and foremost, if y'all are team Heart of Dating, do us a favor, write us a review on iTunes in the Apple Podcast Store. It helps us. It also helps us to know what you guys are loving. So please write us a review and rank us five stars. It would mean the world. We read every single one and we use what you say to then develop new concepts for future episodes. Also, friends, I am so excited to announce that my heartbreak program is finally ready to hit the world. Okay, it's live right now. (laughs) It's live right now. Heartbreak to First Date is live. It's the step-by-step process to healing, gaining self-love, processing, conquering lies, and finally having hope, clarity, and a vision to get back out there. So here's what some gals have been saying, or specifically one girl I want to call out, the amazing Tristan. This is what she said. She said, I'll be honest and say that when Kate initially launched this program, I did not think it would be the right fit for me. I felt like my heart and mind were in a good place. Would this really be applicable to my life right now? Well, let me tell you, ladies, signing up was the best decision I ever made. Through this six-week journey, not only was I able to truly discover the innermost corners of my hearts and desires, but I was given game-changing tools and advice to turn future heartbreak and pain into beautiful strength and success. I'm so thankful for Kate's knowledge and support, along with the encouragement of the incredible women in this program alongside me. I would encourage anyone who has a desire to grow and heal and learn to sign up for this course. It is always worth it to invest in you, and I am so glad that I did. Thanks, Kate. So if you guys want access to this program right now, you can actually go to heartofdating.com forward slash shop to sign up for the Heartbreak to First Date program right now. Do it. What are you waiting for? So y'all, today on this episode, I'm doing a solo show and I just want to ask you to have so much grace for me. I haven't done a ton of solo shows and I think the reason is I'm kind of nervous just talking to the mic right by myself. It feels kind of funny and I'm like, do they like solo shows? So if you guys like solo episodes with me and you want to hear more, please let me know. Yeah, it would mean a lot to know if you like them and I will do more of them if you want to hear more. But my heart, I have such a passion for abuse and just 
because I actually have a big story of abuse. So that is what brings me to today's episode. And I'm going to intro it for you better in just a second here. But I just want to thank you guys for listening. I want to thank you for enjoying this series so far. And I'm excited to see what is to come with today's episode. So without further ado, let's go into the solo show for today. All right. Hey friends, gosh, I have mixed emotions for this solo show today, but mostly I guess I would say I'm excited. So a lot of you have asked me to share more about my personal dating story and you may have noticed if you follow the podcast that earlier this year I shared about one of my biggest heartbreaks ever with the man I really thought I was going to marry that suddenly ended things unexpectedly. But what I haven't really shared with you guys that much up until this point is my personal story of abuse within relationship. And earlier in 2019, I shared part of the story publicly for the first time with my dear, dear friend, Mike Foster, on his podcast, Fun Therapy. And I got to admit, you guys, it was a nerve wracking experience. But at the same time, it was super healing and incredibly freeing just to lay it all out there for so many people to hear, to lay down the highlight reel and just be super real. Now, I have received countless emails and messages and so many things from from you guys specifically uh, because a lot of you are in places of abuse or have experienced it in the past. And I know that the National Domestic Violence Hotline says that about 10 million people a year suffer from abuse and about one in three women suffer from rape, physical violence or stalking and one in four men suffer from the same thing. And because of this, it is so heavy on my heart. It is so heavy on my heart that we just need to bring more awareness to this area. My hope, you guys, is to share my story today with you publicly. Uh, And even if it can help one person to feel less alone, less frightened, less ashamed, if it can make you feel encouraged in any way, if it can lead you to break free and find hope and healing and dive deeper into the arms of Jesus, then that is why I'm doing it, y'all. That is why I'm stepping up today. Um, And I will tell you before I just dive into some of the details that there are things I'm sharing today that I have never shared before publicly. Some of the details I have not even shared to some of my closest people. So I will admit that I went through a lot of therapy, a lot of healing, a lot of praying before even sharing this with you today. And that's what I encourage for you to do as well. If you have a story that's really sensitive, really vulnerable trauma in your past that you've been through, make sure that you heal through it a lot before you share it publicly. Now, before I get into really the story, I do want to warn you that I will be diving into details of violence and physical abuse. And because of that, some of you might be triggered by that. And so I just want you to be really warned before I start sharing. To that point, if you know someone or if you are in an abusive situation, please contact the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE. Please, 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 if it's you or someone you know, please contact that hotline. I just want to say my heart is to encourage you guys today. So I really hope and pray just over this episode today, over the people listening today, that the chains of shame and unworthiness and self-doubt and lovelessness and whatever other lies exist there, that those chains would be broken. 
Okay, that is my ultimate cry that you would also feel less alone. I am with you. There are so many with you and that hope is not lost. Freedom can be found. Healing is in your midst. So let's begin. (laughs) Now you guys know, I think you know that normally when someone has a story, it or a platform, it usually starts with a story, right? And that's the case for me. So, so much of why I started Heart of Dating can actually be traced back to so many of my stories of heartbreak. And it's through my heartbreaks that I was lost myself, but only to find myself again. Now, you guys know, and I'll just repeat it, that I have dated a lot. I have been through about every kind of dating situation out there, and I want to talk today and land on one specific dating situation I went through about eight or so years ago. So about eight or so, maybe eight and a half years ago, I entered into what ended up being the most toxic relationship of my life. This guy was attractive. He was a musician. He worked for a church. Uh, He was my quote unquote type, you know, all the details, right? He dressed the way I liked, whatever, whatever. And we actually got into a relationship fairly quickly, but it wasn't long after getting into that relationship that I started realizing the things that he said and did were totally different. So he would say one thing to me, but then he would act totally different. So let me give you an example. We'd be out together and he would tell people or act like I was just his friend around people. So there were so many times where I would go to the bathroom and then I would come back to see him talking to other women right in front of me. And when I came up to him, He'd be like, oh, hey, girl, what's up, Kate? And give me a high five. Mm -hmm. This is not a joke, you guys. There is nothing like a jab in the gut than getting a high five from your boyfriend or someone who claims to be your boyfriend as he flirts with other women in front of your face. seriously. So behind closed doors, he would say loving things to me. He would say all the things I wanted to hear. Honestly, he would act like I was the best thing in his life. But when it came to being in public, it never really lined up. And another factor that you guys should know is that we introduced sexual intimacy really early on, which made matters totally worse because I totally had a major soul tie to him. Scientifically, when you engage in sexual activity, oxytocin is released in your body. And you guys, oxytocin is a bonding agent. It's the same bonding agent that is released in the process of giving birth and in nursing. And in the oxytocin in nursing connects the mother and the baby in a special and unique way. So that same exact chemical is released via sex or even just other sexual activities or intimate activities, such as even cuddling, maybe not to the same extreme but it's still released. So with this guy and I, when we introduced sexual intimacy really early on, I was being physically bonded to him in a chemical way, which meant that it was that much harder to make rational decisions because I felt so quote unquote close and connected to him. Just made me so much blurrier. So over time, he would say that he was only talking to me, but I also found out that he was talking to so many girls behind my back. I would find out through social media. I'd find out through other friends. And eventually, I would find out by looking through his phone. I was so desperate to find out the truth that, you guys, I actually got to the point where I started to go through his phone. And I had never done that before in my life. But I wanted confirmation of what I thought was true. And every time I confronted him, he would make me feel stupid. He he would say I was making it up. He would tell me I was being dramatic or that that wasn't really that big of a deal or, you know, like that it was all in my head. 
And so that's why I was like, well, I got to check on the phone now because what I think is going on, I need proof, you know, and I would still find proof, you guys. But he would still tell me over and over that I was making it up. Oh, boy. <laughs> so I got to admit, I hated doing that. Even saying it right now, I'm like, oh, I hate admitting that I went through his phone and violated his privacy. I'd never done that to anybody in my life. I, I really didn't like sneaking around and checking his phone or trying to steal it so that I could check little things. And I would even screenshot stuff and then send it to myself and then delete it from his phone just so I could have it as personal validation. <laughs> I hated that. I hate even admitting that right now, but I wanted the proof and the affirmation that I wasn't crazy so badly. Even still, when I confronted him with hard facts, he would never admit to it, basically. I'd be like, well, wait a second. You sent this girl a shirtless photo and I would show him the evidence. And he was like, nope. You know, I would I was getting nowhere. So each and every time I found out about another girl, I honestly, you guys could feel my sense of worth being put to the test. I started thinking to myself, gosh, am I not good enough for him? Am I not good enough for him to just want me? Am I not enough for him? He lied to me so many times. I didn't even know what was true anymore. And through so much manipulation, now this went on for at least a year. I mean, it went on for longer than that, but up until the point I'm about to tell you, it was at least a year, I started feeling like I was going crazy. I was thinking like, am I going crazy? Is this actually happening? And at one point, he actually was living with me for about a month. And this was totally against my original desire. But he said at the time he had nowhere to stay except for with some women friends of his, which was pretty manipulative because he knew how insecure that would make me. And so because that triggered me, I was like, no, 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 don't stay with them. Stay with me instead. (laughs) So while he was living with me, I remember one night he came back to my place at about 4 a.m. and he was drunk or he had been drinking. And I grabbed his phone. I looked through it and found out that he was hanging out with some other women. (laughs) And when I addressed him on this, it was like something came over him. And in order to just have me stop and shut me up, he grabbed my head and shoved it into the pillow on my bed and started suffocating me. He eventually stopped, but he continued to threaten being aggressive if I continued to badger him about where he was and who he was with. Now, I got to admit, I had never even really recognized that as abuse. I just thought that, oh, he lost his temper and he did something he shouldn't. But I never saw that as physical abuse because I was okay, you know, and he didn't do that super often. So I never really recognized it as abuse. Not far long after that, there was a holiday weekend and I was going to visit an old childhood friend and his family. I knew them like my whole life. and But since that friend was a male, my ex got furious and I would say jealous. I even like to make him comfortable. I set up a call with this guy and just for them to talk and for him to talk to the family to make sure that he felt comfortable. And even still, he didn't want me to go. I still did. (laughs) I still went. And when I came back from the trip a few days later, I found out that he had been talking to 16 girls behind my back that weekend, just three days away. He talked to 16 girls. When I addressed him on it, he continued to tell me that I was crazy, dramatic, exaggerating, delusional, all the things. He used so many manipulative words to get me to question myself and just make me think that I was making it up. And I just pleaded with him, please just admit to it. Please just tell me the truth for once. Please tell me I'm enough for you. But he would just say, Kate, you're just out to destroy my life. That's all you want to do. You're saying all this. You're making this up because you just have it out for me to destroy my life. All right, so flash forward about two months later, 
Now, this is a part of the story that has taken me years to share, but I'm sharing it with you today, okay? It was Halloween night, and I had dressed up like Mary Poppins, and we went together to a Halloween party. Now, someone at that party, as we were talking and having a fun night, ended up figuring out that we had mutual friends, and this girl ended up asking me if I knew a different girl, this one specific girl. It turned out that that girl that she brought up was someone that my ex had cheated on me with. And immediately I got triggered. It was like, oop, snap, I was triggered. (laughs) And I got to admit, I had been drinking a little bit um, on this holiday night. And so I started getting really upset just at the mere notion of remembering how many times he talked to other women behind my back. It was like all the other women flooded in my mind. And as we were leaving the party, uh, I actually got really upset and was just like, you know what, leave without me. Now, I didn't want him to go, as women do this, but um, he didn't care. And so he left. And I, I think part of me thought that I had to be extra dramatic in order for him to care. So he left. And I remember sitting outside the building. I sat on the streets of New York City, where I lived at the time. And I just started crying on the sidewalk of New York City in my Mary Poppins costume. And I remember as I was sitting there, a man came up to me and he started harassing me. And he started freaking me out. And then he started trying to touch me. And it got me really, really spooked. So thankfully, I, ju- I got away. I And I started, I literally sprinted away from him. And amidst my trigger and then being harassed by a stranger, I then found myself bawling my eyes out and felt completely out of emotional control. Um, I hailed down a taxi and started to call my ex incessantly. I called him. And this is the part where like he would do this thing where he would intentionally ignore my calls knowing I was upset because he knew it would make me more upset to just ignore my calls, you know, again, feeling that he has all this power over me somehow. So I called, he would ignore, I called, he'd ignore, I called, he ignored, I called, he ignored again. Meanwhile, I just got heated more and more and more and more emotionally upset and bawling my eyes out. Finally, he answered the call and I figured out where he was and ended up having the taxi redirect and take me to where he was. Now, I just want to stress again that I just didn't feel like I was in control of my emotions. And um, I was so distraught with the emotional abuse and all the gaslighting that was going on. I felt dizzy, foggy, sad, confused, all the things. It was like I loved my ex and I hated him all at the same time. So I walked into that bar, actually walking into the bar, I should note that the heel of my shoe that I was wearing broke. So there I was, Mary Poppins costume and a broken heel. I walked right into that bar and I could see him talking to other girls and I just felt the anger and confusion take over me. So I went straight up to him and I slapped him. Yep, did that in a public bar. Immediately, the bouncer saw me and escorted me out of the bar. (laughs) He followed me out, and we weren't that far away from my apartment at the time, so we started walking toward my apartment, but I was just emotionally done, y'all. I had reached a breaking point that night, and I don't know if anyone listening has been so dizzy from emotional abuse and gaslighting that then they just lash out, but that was where I was at. So I ended up getting a hold of his phone somehow. And in my anger and upset, I started squeezing, squeezing, squeezing the phone. I remember I was just like, oh, this is the thing he used to use to talk to so many women behind my back. Oh, so I squeezed it until the screen shattered in my hands. 
oh, the glass shards ended up landing in my in the middle of my hand and cut me all over my hands and I started bleeding and I just fell to the ground crying. There I was in my Mary Poppins costume with my broken heel and a bloody hand laying on the sidewalk of the streets of New York on a busy Halloween night. It was not my finest moment, not in the slightest. Now, a cop ended up actually coming over and seeing me on the ground. And immediately when I knew there was a cop there, I knew I had to pull it together and get up and just like act like it was fine. So I got up and told them I was fine. And I started hobbling back towards my house. Finally made it home and a giant fight ensued. I was upset. I started unleashing all my hurt and pain from all the past women that he had been talking to, all of the lies, all the manipulation. I felt confused on just why I wasn't enough for him. And I kept asking him, if you cared about me, if you cared about me, you wouldn't do this. Do you care about me? Do you love me? Eventually, I got to the point where I was so distraught that I actually threatened to commit suicide because I was like, well, maybe then he'll care about me. Maybe then he'll admit that he cares about me if I try to threaten taking my life. Now, I want to preface that by saying I had never had suicidal thoughts, so it wasn't like I truly was suicidal, but I was using it as a tactic to get him to admit that he loved and cared about me. So... This led him to calling 911, and before I knew it, there were police at my door. Funny enough, it was the same police that saw me laying on the streets of New York with my costume, bloody hand, all the things. So those cops already knew kind of who I was, and they talked to me, and I explained, you know what, no, I'm not suicidal, I'm not trying to do anything here. But because my ex had made the call and said that I was unsafe, he was afraid of me and afraid of me taking my own life. They told him, well, you have the right to determine if she's safe or not. Do you think she's okay? So they asked him straight up and he said, nope, she is not safe. So the cops turned to me and were like, okay, you have to come with us. I changed out of my Mary Poppins costume and I was terrified and completely embarrassed and walked out of my apartment and they escorted me in an ambulance to a nearby hospital. I remember being escorted into a doctor's room and I proceeded to, for the next few hours, talk to multiple psychiatrists. I had to tell them my story and repeat it multiple times. You know, they're looking for if there's any inconsistencies in your story and anything like that. And so my story was consistent. I told the same story over and over. And eventually they're like, you know, you're fine. We want to release you. However, we need to call your ex. Well, call your boyfriend at the time. We need to call him and get tell him that you're okay and that we want to release you. And then he has to give us the approval. Well, I was on Facebook Messenger. Not really sure why, but I was messaging him on that. And I was like, hey, they want to release me. Please call them. Here's the number and tell them that like I'm safe and like or that you're you're fine with them releasing me basically and he had been writing me back up until that point but as soon as I said please call them or answer their call when they call you he stopped talking he stopped responding and I was like uh what (laughs) so a a while went by and the psychiatrist came back in my room and said you know Kate they we haven't been able to get a hold of your boyfriend and so because of that we actually have to take you somewhere else yeah um this is a moment, you guys. It's hard for me. Um, I'll never forget this really big man um, walked into the room, 
security looking man and he was like, come with me. And he escorted me to a different part of the hospital to the psych ward. And I'll never forget having to remove all my clothes and having them search me and changing it to new clothes and being put in a little cell, though it wasn't locked. It was, felt like a prison cell. Talk about feeling crazy, having someone tell you you're crazy and then being admitted to the very place where crazy people go. This is the hard part of my story. <laughs> um, so thank you guys for listening and bearing with me. And so I just remember the hours in the psych ward just crying, just like, God, why am I here? Why is it come to this? Am I crazy? Is it, Am I really crazy? Do I deserve to live? Do you even love me? Um, and I was scared. I was so scared. The things I saw in there, the things I witnessed were terrible. They don't lock, at least where I was at, they didn't lock the doors of other people's rooms. And so there were just some crazy people free to roam about. And I was terrified by some of the people I came encounter with. So I was in there for probably at least 12 hours. I kept begging them to please let me go. And they said, nope, not until we get a hold of your ex or your boyfriend, whatever. Yeah, I have never felt so much shame. <laughs> and wow, like talk about just really confirming the definition of crazy at that point in my life. That's what it did for me. Finally, I was released and it took, it, I could not shake the fact that I felt so crazy and he just reinforced that. He reinforced it so well. A few months later after the Halloween night, the physical abuse started getting more serious. And I remember my, my friend had guy friends in town visiting and I was going to hang out with them and he didn't like that. And they, he had no reason to be threatened, but he didn't like it. And again, he would, you know, punish me by ignoring my texts when he found out that I was doing something he didn't like. And so I felt bad. So the next day after hanging out with my friend and some of her guy friends, I went, it was a Sunday, I remember specifically, and I remember going to his apartment and I wanted to surprise him. He was shocked to see me. <laughs> I got to say that. But I offered like, hey, let's go to brunch. I want to make it up to you. So he went to take a quick shower but he made the mistake of leaving his phone on the table in front of me. And as per usual, I grabbed it and went through it only to find out that weekend he had been talking to two different girls. At least that's all I could see. One was his restaurant server. I remember he got her number, proceeded to flirt with her. The other was a girl that after he asked me to the movies and when I said I couldn't go, he then asked another girl to the movies Anywho, I remember halfway through the shower, he came rushing out, realizing he left the phone there, but it was too late. I had already seen what I needed to see, you know, so I confronted him on it and I was so fed up. I don't think I said anything nice, you know, like I, when these things came up at this point, I wasn't very nice about it. So he insisted on seeing my phone and he saw that I was texting one guy from my church. Now, the context of that text was that he had invited me to a church Bible study with other people. That was the only context of our text. And in fact, this my boyfriend at the time knew my ex knew this guy. But he took that text and deflected, making me the enemy as if I was and was exactly the same as him. He got more and more heated and it was at this point that I realized that something came over him and the aggression turned physical. 
he was done having me question him <laughs> so many times. So he started hurting me by shoving me to the ground and throwing me around the room. And at one point, he got on top of me on the couch and started strangling me. Now, I blacked out a bit in this process, but I think from what I remember, um, it went on for like 30 minutes or so. It only ended after I had gotten up one time from him shoving me and he shoved me down to the floor again in the direction of the coffee table and my head hit the side of the corner of the table and I passed out. When I finally woke up from all this, I was in total shock. I didn't know what to do. I was shaking. I panicked. So I just left. I was like, don't talk to me again. I'm leaving. I left. I I walked downstairs. I called a cab. I didn't know. All I knew to do was like, it's Sunday. There's church. Take me to church. (laughs) Like, take me to church. And I got to say, I didn't even look in the mirror. So I was in such shock that like, I didn't look to see what I looked like and I just walked straight into church not paying attention to that I had bruises on my neck and bruises on my arms and then my hair was totally tousled and all the things and it wasn't until a friend saw me and said Kate are you okay that I finally snapped out of the shock and realized where I was and just started weeping and weeping and weeping and I remember after that that he was apologetic for about four days he said all the right things he sent me flowers for a few days he tries to express his love and care for me but I remember very clearly it was around the Christmas holiday and he went home for the holiday and it was like four days later everything shifted suddenly he turned the story back on me He started saying, you know what? There's actually no way that he did any of those things. He said, I made it up and just wanted to ruin his name. Now, I even because I had even contacted the police and I got a restraining order on him and he was arrested for a brief time. And so that was why he was so apologetic. But then it was like, nope, you know what? I didn't do that, Kate. And he referenced that Halloween night and said, remember, Kate, you're crazy. You actually made all of this up. You're crazy, remember? Remember you went to the psych ward, you're crazy. He was real strategic in his ways and knew what to do to make me question myself. So so just really quickly, I want to pause and take a second to emphasize that this, in, in case you're not aware, this is what happens in the abuse cycle. The abuse cycle starts with an attack. It's usually followed by apology and remorse and then maybe followed by a brief honeymoon period where they're very affectionate and they maybe reminisce on things. And then after that, it's followed by love and affection, sometimes physical love and affection, until it builds back up until an, to another attack. This is a power move. And in the process, it's how the abuser hooks you into the cycle. So while the abuser should be the one on the defense for their actions, they get the sense that their power is just disintegrating and in an effort to gain their power back, they flip the switch on you. And so it's like they power up over you, so to speak. So it's weird, but you find yourself as a defendant, even though you really didn't do anything wrong. And oftentimes the switch is so jarring that you get hooked into defending yourself and you're like, wait, what, what, what? And it's a you fall prey to the manipulation. And as soon as they as soon as they see that they have you emotionally in that state defending yourself, they see that they have you in that hook. And eventually, as soon as they're like really secure that you're in that place, they'll come back around with more, you know, love and remorse and affection and the cycle continues. So needless to say, the months after that stint of abuse, he had me hooked and 
he would tell me I was crazy and then he would give me love and affection and say he missed me and say all these things and then he would say I was crazy again and da 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 go over and over and I kept playing the role of defend it trying to defend myself from what I remembered but through time through manipulation through lies through followed by love and then affection I actually started believing the lies and I started believing that I made it all up I thought maybe I just, you know, fabricated the story. Maybe I had made it worse in my mind than it actually was. Maybe he didn't actually do those things. Maybe I am a little bit crazy. Okay, friends, first of all, I just want to take a quick second to say thank you, thank you, thank you for being so gracious listening to me share my story. I'm honestly really honored that you'd listen. So thank you for taking the time to listen and I hope it blesses you in some way, shape or form. Now, I just wanna take a quick break in our episode to share with you our amazing sponsor for today. I sincerely and truly believe in the power of prayer. And when it comes to dating, friends, we can be intentional, we can be big and we can be bold with our prayers. God wants us to love him, spend time with him, and ask him boldly for the things on our heart. He just wants to be our best friend after all. So something personally that's helped me deepen my prayer life and make it consistent has been using the amazing Pray.com app, which happens to be the number one prayer app in the world. Using Pray.com, I've learned tactics for how to pray deeper. There are even themed prayers like meditative prayers and morning gratitude prayers and even releasing anger prayers. Which, let's be real, after some dating situations, we kind of need that, right? (laughs) You guys, you can even join community prayers and submit prayer requests, which I love. I also really love Pray.com because you can hear audio stories from the Bible, which makes listening to these stories really easy to digest and understand. My favorite thing is the bedtime stories. I listen to them before bed and they help me to wind down right as I'm falling asleep. Guys, get this. There are even inspirational audio content lessons from other amazing Christian leaders. It's amazing. So today, if you want to deepen your prayer life and have an interactive experience with the Bible, I want to encourage you to download the pray.com app. All right, there is one more thing I want to share with you guys today that you're going to love. Let me ask you, is there something interfering or preventing you from really being in a healthy dating relationship? I don't know about you, but for me, dating has become a huge eye-opener of things in my life that I personally need to reflect on, heal from, and grow in. It's like when you start dating, the floodgates of past things come bubbling to the surface. It's like, okay, gotta deal with them. Anyone else feel me on this? Now, instead of being afraid of those things, what's helped me through this process is not only mentorship from other peers, but actually going and seeking counseling. Y'all know what I'm saying, therapy. Now, many of you guys asked me for therapy resources, and the issue is I don't know therapists all around the country, but I found a solution. Today, I want to introduce you to something I know you're going to love called Faithful Counseling. Faithful Counseling is a Christian-based online therapy service. They're going to assess your specific needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist that is the best for helping you through whatever you're going through. The best part is it's a solution for anyone who wants traditional mental health counseling, but wants it done from a Christian lens. That's especially why I love this service. And get this, you guys, you can fill out your needs and start communicating with a therapist in under 24 hours. That means get off here right now, fill out a form and start communicating with someone tomorrow. And for my listeners not in the US, you guys, this is available worldwide for you. Let me tell you, I have been doing therapy from the comfort of my home since the beginning of 2019, and it's been a game changer for me. You can show up in your jammies and feel super relaxed. 
You can log into your account anytime and send messages to your counselor, aka when you're having a down day, and you can expect a timely and thoughtful response. If for any reason you need to change counselors, you can do that for free. Now let's talk money, 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 because I know you guys are thinking about it. One of the top reasons I love Faithful Counseling is because it's more affordable than traditional offline counseling, and there's even financial aid available. So good for all of us single dating people on a budget, you know what I'm saying? Now, I cannot be more thrilled to share this with you guys today. And right now, for Heart of Dating listeners, Faithful Counseling is offering you 10% off your first month by visiting faithfulcounseling.com forward slash heart of dating. Therapy is hands down one of the best decisions I've ever made for my life, you guys. You will never regret investing in your own personal growth. So I highly encourage you to check it out and get 10% off your first month at faithfulcounseling.com forward slash heart of dating. Now, to remind you of something, I was served restraining order papers. I got them, I remember, on New Year's Eve. But the thing about a restraining order is that it's only really good if you follow the rules of it. So it's your responsibility that if the person reaches out or has contact with you, that you report it. It's your responsibility to share with the police if they're not abiding by it. If you don't do that, then the restraining order in that case doesn't really do anything for you. So because he had me hooked in this abuse, I didn't tell the police that he was violating the restraining order. And I started believing the lies and I started believing I was crazy. And I started thinking maybe he's not that bad. And eventually, after five months of this, I decided to get back together with him. This ensued an awful, awful time in my life. My family and friends, so many people were appalled and no one really supported that decision at all. I remember something that hurt so bad was my mom even refused to talk to me for about three months. She was just really, really upset. And I remember my brother almost got in a fight with him. <laughs> Love you, B. But that happened. And I remember so many of my friends, I lost friendships, basically. Now, I'm sure maybe you can guess how this ended. Me and this guy were fine for a while until another girl came into the picture. No surprise on that one, right? He denied that girl, even though eventually that girl came forward to me with the truth. But that wasn't enough for me. <laughs> you know, finding out about this girl wasn't enough. So we ended up having a, tr a night of true destruction and extreme physical and verbal abuse. And I'm going to spare you guys all the details. It was really horrific. But I'll tell you that I thought that my life was on the line that, that night. I truly did. I remember screaming for help over and over and over. But because my neighbors in that apartment complex were so used to the screaming and the yelling and the fights until 4 a.m., because of that, no one did anything. So I could scream for help and nobody thought anything of it because it was so normal. I was like, how am I here yet again? Kate, what are you doing? And as the abuse was happening, I remember one thing came over my mind, very clear thing. I was like, Kate? You have to remember, you are not crazy. You are not crazy, Kate. You are not crazy. I was determined, you guys. I was so determined because I had been convinced that I was crazy. And when this was happening, I was like, Kate, you're not crazy. Wow. And so I knew that I had to have proof just for my own sanity. And I managed to get a hold of my phone. I knew that I couldn't call 911. I was afraid of what he might do. But I was like, if I could just get to a voice memo, if I could just record what's going on, then I will know that I'm not crazy. And so I did and I recorded it. I recorded parts of it. 
The next day, I felt so ashamed. I I felt like I couldn't tell anyone. Like, of course this happened. Of course it did. I fully blamed myself. And I'm really embarrassed to admit that the next day was his birthday where I planned a birthday party for him. And, you know, in your right mind, you should not go to a birthday party after a terrible night of abuse. But when shame gets a hold of you, it can make you blind to the truth, you guys. So in my shame, I decided, you know what, I'm going to still throw this birthday party for him and not tell a soul about the previous night because it's all my fault and I deserved it. Now I showed up to the party. I could barely brush my hair. I remember having to cake on the makeup to hide the bruises and all the scratches and I avoided him the whole night. I wouldn't let him touch me, but I put on a smile to everyone else and I pretended, you know, guys, it's all okay. I undoubtedly had reached my lowest of lows. I didn't know who I was. I felt like damaged goods. I felt like someone who was totally unlovable. I did not even feel like I could trust my own self. There was so much gaslighting and confusion. I questioned my own sanity. And I I just was like, Kate, you know what? You deserve this. That's what I thought. I thought, you know what? You were naive to get back together with him. Everyone said you shouldn't and you did and you believed in him. And so it's your fault and you deserve this. And I, I was like, I risked family and friendships and all these things. And I lied to people to hide stuff. And, and now look at where I am. So eventually, a few weeks later, I did end up breaking up with him. I reached a point where I talked to this girl who was telling me about the cheating he had been doing on me. And I was like, you know what? Fine. <laughs> I'm done. But I, if I'm being real honest, it took me over a full year to really break free of him. I went to therapy and she described it. My therapist described it like an addiction. And it was. It was like that. I was addicted to this person. And I had to remove everything that would tempt me to go back to that addiction. You know, I had to remove seeing him or anything that would trigger me to think of him. And let me tell you, it was a long process because I had been from start to finish with him for about two and a half years. But I knew I had to go through this long and grueling process. Even though I lacked self-worth and self-love and I lacked the ability to discern and reason and even though I felt so ashamed and even though I lost friends and felt alone, I knew that I had the key to change my future. I knew because I felt God meet me in that place. I felt God's love because I pressed into it. I was still going to church and I felt like it was finally like I was like, okay, God, I'm on my hands and knees and there's nobody else here. Will you help me? Will you help me? I don't even know if you like me. I don't know if you love me, but please, will you help me? And through time, he did. I saw inner healing to break soul ties. I went to therapy and had lots of mentorship and and surrounded myself with amazing, amazing people. I started to confess my past mistakes. I started being brave and courageous to a few safe people to share the stories that darkened my past. And let me just tell you, friends, it's a hard reality to face that you don't really love yourself. And maybe right now you're there or maybe you've been there in the past. I want you to know you are not alone. Telling you this story today, it's been, it's hard. It's a hard story, especially the Halloween night. I've never publicly shared that. And I've had people that I've shared it with be shocked, you know, because they're like, wait, what? But I felt it was time to share it, to bring this darkness into the light, because when things are brought to the light, the darkness cannot overcome it, you know? 
And I want to specifically bring up something, the issue of gaslighting, which we've talked about. If you listen to the episode I did with Allison Fallon, we did touch on gaslighting. And this was an integral part of the emotional abuse that my ex used on me. Now, it's something a lot of people don't know a ton about. And so I want to share with you some of the top ways that gaslighting happens in the hopes that maybe you'll be able to identify it if this has happened to you or maybe if it's currently happening to you or if it's happening to someone you know. Now, first of all, um, where does this come from? So it came from basically the stage play back in the day where a husband attempts to drive his wife crazy by constantly dimming the lights, which were powered by gas in their home. And then he denies that the light ever changed when his wife points it out. And it's basically like, no, the lights didn't dim. You're crazy. You know, and so it's an, a really effective form of emotional abuse that causes the person to question their own feelings, instincts and sanity, which then gives the abusing partner a lot, a lot, a lot of power. Some typical gaslighting phrases include, you're crazy, that never happened. Or, are you sure? You tend to have a very bad memory. Or, it's all in your head. That's another one. The ultimate issue with gaslighting is that it really makes you just question everything you know about yourself. You don't feel like you have your own discernment anymore. You don't feel like you can make decisions. So here are some of the most common types of gaslighting. First is withholding. So this is when the abusive partner pretends not to understand what's going on or refuses to listen. So an example of that is, I don't want to hear this again, or you're trying to confuse me, or you better not bring this up, you know? This often happens when the victim criticizes the abuser and also can happen like, you know, when they withhold things like love and affection from you as a form of punishment or like in my case, in the telling of my story, you know, when I was calling my ex and he wouldn't answer over and over, he was withholding from me. And that's also a form of abuse and gaslighting in a way, you know, so um, another form of gaslighting is countering. And this is when the abusive partner questions the victim's memory of events. So even if the victim remembers them accurately, or even in my case, when there's proof that it happened, an example would be the abuser saying, you're wrong, you remember things incorrectly, you never remember things correctly, you make things up like, you're not right. So that's you're being gaslit if that's ever happened to you. Another form of gaslighting is blocking and diverting and not owning anything. So this is when the abusive partner changes the subject frequently and questions the victim's thoughts. So, you know, when the abuse happened and I got a restraining order and then I had approached him about the text he sent other women like that night, that day that that had all happened, he immediately insisted instead of taking ownership, he insisted on grabbing my phone and going through my phone to to divert the attention back to me and then put it on me. So he found me texting one guy, mutual friend from church, right? And he was like, see, you're the same. See, you're doing the exact same thing. You're imagining things. Look what you're doing. Uh, that's a form of gaslighting. And it's really disorienting because it makes you feel like you're in the wrong when you didn't really do anything wrong. Another form of gaslighting is trivializing. So this is when the abusive partner makes the victim's needs or feelings seem totally unimportant. So when the abuser constantly pokes fun or discounts your feelings of upset or your sadness, that's them gaslighting you through trivializing what you're feeling. So... Some, an example would be them saying, you're going to get angry over something so small like that. Or them even saying, you're just too sensitive. You're always too so sensitive or you're always too dramatic. 
Another form of gaslighting is forgetting and denying. So obviously, um, the abusive partner totally forgetting what's happened or pretending like they forgot what's happened and just denying it, saying, no, that never happened or I totally forgot about that, right? And that happened with me a ton <laughs> when he con- when my ex continuously said that I made it all up. He was like, you're making stuff up. You're out to destroy my name. That never happened. That, you know, never, ever happened. And again, this just makes the victim like lack trust with themselves. Uh, The problem with all of this, you guys, is that an abusive person's remarks and claims are not coming from a rational or truthful place. So let me give you this example. Imagine you and the person you're with are looking at the sky and you could spend all day trying to explain to that person that the sky is blue, but the abuse, an abusive person would keep saying, nope, you're crazy. The sky is obviously purple. What's wrong with you? <laughs> That's an example. And it's like, wait, no, it's obviously blue. And they're like, no, you're crazy. The sky is obviously purple. What's wrong with you? So abusive people use irrational demands and accusations to control the dialogue in a relationship and prevent you from feeling heard or understood. At the end of the day, you have to understand an abusive person is not going to validate your feelings. There is absolutely no reasoning with them. There is no changing them. And you can tell them all day long till that you're blue in the face, that it hurts you, that what they've done has hurt you. But that honestly doesn't mean anything to an abusive person. They don't care. <laughs> and so it makes it even worse because you're like, why don't they care about me? But they just don't. They, they, they operate on a different scale. And so I'm saying all this to tell you, and I'm sharing this with you today to just say that this is serious and abuse happens all the time, even emotional abuse and emotional abuse especially can be really subtle and it can be so discreet that sometimes you don't even know that it's happening. And often as we establish, because abusers often blame their victims, they may, you, like they, they may act like they have no idea why you're upset at all. So if you've been mistreated this way in a past relationship, if you've been through gaslighting or emotional abuse, you're going to become so familiar with it, it might be harder to recognize. So that's why if it, if it keeps happening over and over, you're not even going to know that it's happening at that point. It will chip away your self-esteem. It will cause you to feel guilty. It will cause you to doubt yourself. It will cause you to distrust your own perceptions and your own discernment. So this is why it's so important. If my biggest recommendation, I said this on the interview with Allison Fallon, is that if you are in this situation, write down how you feel after a really terrible fight or after an abusive episode. Keep record of it so that you know what's going on. Second thing to do, bring it to someone else. Make sure that you are sharing it with someone, letting them in on what is truly going on. And then the third thing is know that you can't change the abusive person. They're never going to validate your pain the way you're hoping that they will validate it. That is the hardest thing to know and understand, especially if you're entangled, especially if you care about them and love them, or especially if there's soul ties of any kind. But I got, you have to hear me, friend. They are not going to care about the pain they're causing you. It doesn't mean that you're not like worthy. It doesn't mean that you are unlovable. It just means they're not capable and they're an unhealthy person. So today, my ultimate hope and prayer for all of you is to be able to see and recognize abuse both for yourself and for other people around you. We need to bind together. We need to help one another through this because even as Christians, this happens all the time. 
Now, like, even in my case, I mean, I hate to admit this, but the abuser in this story actually worked for a prominent Christian church. And so it happens. It can happen even with people within the Christian church. And this is why we just have to be on guard. We have to call it out. We have to recognize it. If this is you, if you're in this place, or if it was you, girl or guy, like I want you to know that you can be strong and you're going to come out victorious. And now you're going to have the tools if you do go through the healing to be able to recognize it if it happens again. This is like my biggest selling point is that even though these things happen to me, I now do not stand for it in future relationships because I've done the work. I've done the healing. I know how to recognize it now. I'm like, oop, that's abusive. Nope, not going to stand for it, you know, or I recognize the abuse cycle way more prominently now. So I just hope and pray that you will dive into deeper healing, that you would really take account of what's happened to you in your life. And no friend, that without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus is here. He is with you every step of the journey. And I'm here and I I, I love y'all. I I have so much compassion for your stories and what you've been through because I've lived through deep abuse and betrayal. I've lost my identity in relationships, but I'm here to tell you so confidently that you can reclaim your worth and your value. You can be so firmly rooted in Jesus. You can fully heal from the past that has taken you down. You can claim victory. I believe in you. You can be set free. Your heart and mind and body can and will be healed. I hear you. I see you, friend. I'm praying for you. And with that, I just want to close with a really quick prayer. Lord Jesus, God, thank you so much for each man and woman listening today. God, I just pray that you would meet them in their place right now. God, Holy Spirit, fill the room. Would you embrace them with a giant hug, Lord? Would you fill them with your warm embrace? Would you make them feel your everlasting, steadfast love that is too big for us to even comprehend? God, I pray for the individuals who have been burned and beaten and and just weighed down by a abuse over and over, over, God, whether any kind of abuse, physical, emotional, sexual, verbal, whatever it is, God, would you fill those empty places in their heart? Would you remove those past wounds that have tattered their soul? God, You would you instead replace it with your beautiful love? God, would you replace it and, and heal those wounds? Would you take it out of their heart and would you replace it instead with gold, God, and bind it up and heal it, Lord, and let today be the day that they just see your love, that they taste your love unlike ever before, that they see that there is hope to be had for their future. God, would you remove the chains of shame, Lord Jesus? Would you come and just say that there is no shame to be had because you love us and you see us and you crafted us and we are your sons and daughters and with us you are so well pleased. God, be with my brothers and sisters. Lord, please let the floodgates of your healing just be wide open. Let this start a journey of deeper healing, God. And for my friends that if this has happened a while ago too, Lord Jesus, would you just let them not feel any shame if there are still areas they need to address. God, would you let them know that that's normal, that you're there with them. You'll walk them through every step of the way, Lord Jesus. And I pray for the individual maybe listening right now that is in an abusive situation. God, would you give them the courage to step out? Would you give them a taste of a vision of what you have for them outside of this relationship? Would you remind them of their beautiful worth and identity and value, Lord? Would you just show 
show, would you just like, gosh, would you get them so excited about what you have for them, Lord, that what you actually have for them is so much better? And yeah, would you just make them so thrilled by that, God? Would you give them and print an amazing vision on their heart? Lord, I just pray we lift our hearts to you. We surrender, God. It's hard. Relationships are hard, God. Would you just help us? be with us, comfort us, guide us, love us unlike ever before, Lord. Nurse our wounds and make us whole again. God, we put our trust in you, our Savior, our Father. Abba, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Love you guys. Thanks for listening today. If you made it this far, I just want to say thank you for listening to my story. I have to be honest, I actually recorded this episode earlier in the summer, but left out some key details. And as I was listening back to the edit, I felt a deep prompting telling me, nope, Kate, not the full story. God's been working within me to share some parts of my story that I've never really shared, y'all. And honestly, it was especially hard to share because some of these details have been used against me in the past. But that's where the enemy wants to keep us, stuck in shame and fear. What I've deeply learned in following Jesus is that there is beauty and freedom in sharing our redemption stories. We don't have to be scared of our past. He makes beautiful things from the ashes of what happened to us. And I venture to say, if it wasn't for a lot of my past dating story, I'm pretty positive I wouldn't have even started Heart of Dating. So thank you for the hundredth time. And if this story resonated with you at all, friend, I just want to say, I see you, I'm with you, and I'm praying for you. This show is part of the Converge Podcast Network.